Hey everybody, welcome inside of the press box at Cincinnati, whatever they call this stadium. Matthew Collar here along with Dane Mizutani. Apologize right off the bat that uh, my voice is a little froggy, but we're going to power through just like the Vikings did not do here in Cincinnati. They fall apart, blow a two-score lead in the fourth quarter and uh, or in the second half of the game and end up losing 27 to 24 to the Cincinnati Bengals. And it is a hard decision of exactly where to start and what to take away from this game, because I think that a lot of people want to begin with the tush push at the end and the lack of success of the tush push. And I guess, you know, I could take you through what Kevin O'Connell said, if everybody wants that, that they had Brandon Powell on the field because Uh, They wanted 11 personnel. They were hoping to get some lighter personnel from the Cincinnati Bengals. I guess that might be overthinking it to me a little bit, but fair enough. Uh, You got to be able to get an inch. And maybe Nick Mullins isn't the best person to run that play because you have Ty Chandler, who has had a really good game. But he said didn't really want him to have to take a snap, turn around that if the Bengals get penetration there, Chandler could lose yardage. Personally, that would have been my choice because Ty Chandler had a great game here today in Cincinnati. And the hard part of this, Dane, is that the Vikings moved the football extremely well throughout the day. Mm -hmm. They had two terrible interceptions from their quarterback, who has been, for his entire career, interception prone, which was discussed leading up to the game by everybody about how many picks he had thrown. So not a terrible surprise that he would throw the interceptions, though one of them is one of the worst picks that I've ever seen in my entire life. And uh, that's why they lost mostly. And then also on the defensive side, Brian Flores, defense week after week after week has been asked to make every single stop. Mm -hmm. And when they don't make one against Chicago, you lose. And when they don't make one here today, you lose. And, uh, And really the whole second half though, they allowed things to happen. And then some great players made some great plays. So, there's going to be a lot of discussion of the coaching, the the play call at the end in overtime, you know, maybe other decisions that we could get through that people will bring up in the comment section and so forth. But I thought that overall their game plan, especially revolving it around Ty Chandler was extremely effective. Yeah. And when you look at the box score and the yardage, gosh, they moved the ball up and down the, the field all day long against the very mediocre Cincinnati Bengals defense. And then they were not able to stop Jake Browning in the biggest moments of this game. And that doesn't mean that Brian Flores isn't doing a great job or that the defense is suddenly terrible after being great for the entire season. But when I look at this game, I am going to look at it as here are the opportunities that were missed. There were third down stops where, including at the end of the game, where if you get a stop, you might be able to still win it. But instead, Jake Browning rolls out and finds a guy. And there's a third and 21 where he gets the ball to Jamar Chase, where if you get a stop there, you very likely win the game. I I don't have the win probability difference between those two plays, but if you get the third down stop, and then if you don't turn the ball over twice, if you just hand it off, if you just don't throw an interception and get a field goal, then the lead becomes insurmountable. It is the definition of this team to let other teams hang around, especially because of turnovers, and it's who Nick Mullins has always been. And it's probably what the rest of the games are going to look like. And it depends on who has the ball last, who makes the worst turnover, whatever. Like, that's how this is going to go with Nick Mullins. I thought it was, aside from the turnovers, about the 98th percentile of what I thought they could do offensively. But none of that matters now because getting to the playoffs just got a whole heck of a lot harder. So take any of that and take off with it, Dane, wherever you want to go. Yeah, I I want to start with Mullins um, because... I understand everyone's frustration um, with the play calling in overtime. I really think no matter what happened, um, if unless they obviously got the first down, won the game, then KOC is probably a god to some people. But if they hand the ball off to Chandler there and it, he loses a yard, people are saying, why aren't you going quarterback sneak? Why aren't you going quarterback sneak? So I don't really need to dive into the play calling in overtime because it just didn't work. Um, you, you need to get, literally like three or four inches and you can't um, and you probably don't deserve to win a game if you can't do that in the biggest moment. But why I want to start with Nick Mullins is because I I think that there was this almost like facade of Nick Mullins heading into this week from 
people who grew frustrated with Josh Dobbs. It was Nick Mullins is going to come in here. He's going to follow the rules. He's going to manage the game. And I fell for this trap too. Uh, you look at Nick Mullins stats over the course of his career when he's been asked to be a starter at no point has he really shown he is a quote unquote game manager. He's a gunslinger. Um, you know, he, and that's kind of who he is at its core. But I thought given two years in this Kevin O'Connell system, playing behind Kirk cousins, learning to play it safe in certain scenarios that he was going to be able to manage the game, but you kind of are who you are at your core and who Nick Mullins is, is a guy who, when you get into the red zone, instead of checking down, throwing the ball out of the back of the end zone, he's going to scramble around and try and make something happen. And we saw that later in the game. It worked. They scored a touchdown. Jordan Addison, everyone in the press box is screaming, throw the ball out of the back of the end zone. Nick Mullins throws it to Jordan Addison because he said he looked like he saw Jordan Addison boxing a guy out. So he wanted to give him a chance. Um, that's who he is. That's how his brain is wired. And it's also why he threw two interceptions backbreaking interceptions earlier in the game one on a, a route to Justin Jefferson where he really said he thought he saw something come open and he wanted to give Jefferson a chance but he really probably should have eaten that play and the second interception that you mentioned you know a couple minutes ago maybe the worst interception I've ever seen um, it's late in the second half the Vikings have an opportunity to kick a field goal um, and Nick Mullins, while falling to the ground and taking a sack, decides that he wants to try and throw the ball away to nobody. So instead, he throws the ball away or attempts to, throws it into B.J. Hill's stomach, and it ends up going down as another interception. So when you, you take this game away and you know you strip it down to the studs, the Vikings had 424 yards of offense. They showed they can move the ball with Nick Mullins. But I, I don't think this is something that you're going to just fix who this guy is, who is a guy who's going to take chances, who's a guy who's going to turn the ball over. And in a lot of ways, is going to look like the guy that frustrated you into making a quarterback change, which was Josh, Josh Dobbs. I think Nick Mullins, at least you can hold on to the fact that they they looked competent on offense. I know people are going to be upset with, with the play calling, but they did have 424 yards of offense. Nick Mullins had 303 yards of passing, two touchdowns. Um, but those two interceptions are the things that I'm going to hold on to um, because I think those are things moving forward, those two interceptions that could play out on Christmas Eve against Detroit, on New Year's Eve against the Packers, and the final game of the season against Detroit on the road. It looked exactly like what Nick Mullins box scores from San Francisco tell you that he looks like, mm -hmm. which is 23 interceptions and 17 career starts. Mm -hmm. And then he throws two more. So that means 25 in 18 career yeah. starts. I mean, that is where like Jameis Winston is the only guy who was really a starter at one point who could throw that many interceptions and then wasn't a starter anymore. Right. And, and it's, so it's very, you know, we made the comparison of Ryan Fitzpatrick to Josh Dobbs, where he was like so hot at one point and then so cold. And even within a game, we felt that from Nick Mullins, where there were some great throws in this game. I mean, Jordan Addison goes over 100 yards. He had kind of a bounce back after that mini little slump, maybe hitting the rookie wall. But Addison was all world today. I mean, making catches all over the place. The one touchdown that he catches is not a great throw, more of just kind of a bailout. Whoop, somebody take the ball away from me and makes a great shoestring catch, takes it for a touchdown where Mullen says that he sees him boxing him out. I don't know how he sees that. I think he just put the ball up somewhere randomly. You and can't throw that Jordan ball. Addison, no, absolutely <laughs> not. You cannot make that throw, but he's going to make that mm -hmm. throw. Exactly. And the rest of the way is going to rest purely on whether that throw lands in the hands of Jordan Addison or not, because that's who you're playing with as a starting quarterback. And here's the thing that we're going to battle with again on the postgame show, which we've been going through with every loss is the number of people who are like gaining in this groundswell of Kevin O'Connell doesn't know what he's doing. Well, for one, I will say the quarterback sneak is like an 80% plus success play. Yes. And if you run it twice with just about anyone, I'm not even talking about the tush push, which is more than 90%, but just across the league, it's like 75 plus percent. So if you run it twice, you assume that it's supposed to work. But if they win this game and come away with 425 yards of total mm -hmm. offense, 
I mean, we're looking at it going, you know what? Like he's going to turn the ball over, but they can make up for it with Justin Jefferson making big plays. Addison, I thought TJ Hawkinson came through. And by the way, they might have a star in the backfield who just had to figure out how to play. But Ty Chandler had an incredible game today. I mean, suddenly you have a screen game that works. Suddenly you have explosive plays out of the backfield. And maybe you could argue that this was there all along with Ty Chandler. Also, you could say that his development has come along and we've reached the point where he's ready to take on this role. And I don't need to see a whole heck of a lot of Alexander Madison again after this. And that, you know, this could transfer over to the future and even to next year. But the coaching part of it seems to be where everybody wants to focus. And that's what's hard is they drew up a game plan that put up over 400 yards with the fourth quarterback that you're playing. And on the defensive side, I haven't seen a single person in my mentions or in the comments saying that the defense melted down today. And that that's weird to me because that's exactly what happened. I mean, yeah, they didn't convert a first down on fourth down, which is, hey, look, how random is the spotting of the football? And Kevin O'Connell, by the way, said that the referees did take another look at it in the booth or whatever on the first the spot of the first one. But if randomly they decide it's four inches farther, maybe, I mean, very likely we're talking about a Vikings win and going back and like, here they go to the playoffs. So I think that their game plan overall was very good to use Ty Chandler the way that they did. They ran the football a lot. There were a few times that he trusted Nick Mullins maybe more than I thought that he should have, like on the third downs where you know he ends up with the two interceptions. In fact, I said to you right before the second interception, I was like, just just give it to Chandler and kick a field goal here. And you're like, no, go for it. Uh, you know, ended up being an interception. But you know, we're always right and wrong throughout the game. But that was sort of a funny moment. Mm-hmm. I but overall how how much more can you ask of the offense with Nick Mullins? You have to get a stop against Jake Browning, who is their backup quarterback, who, by the way, had three points in the third quarter, late in the third quarter. So I, I, I just, I mean, they, they need a stop somewhere from the defense. And to me, they've just asked the defense to do so much that the levy was going to break eventually. Yeah, it, it's it's weird, right? Because we talk about Nick Mullins and how he is limited in what he does and how he is going to be turnover prone yet. Like you said, the game plan that Kevin O'Connell, who everyone hates now, apparently put together generated with the help of Ty Chandler in the backfield over 400 yards of offense. So I get it. Like there were things that left some things to be desired down the stretch. Um, but that's every game we can nitpick every single game. Uh, I don't think people want to be honest with themselves and and say like the guy who everyone's been parading is maybe he should be the head coach instead of KOC Brian Flores like his it, and this is not uh, what before I say this I don't want to this is not a takedown on Brian Flores what he's done with this defense is incredible but the fact that there is no sort of like accountability from the certain people you know when we talk about this game and zoom out uh, it's just because this is kind of how it goes after losses in the NFL. You need a scapegoat, and people have decided over the course of this up-and-down stretch over the last two months that Brian Flores is a hero, and Kevin O'Connell is always going to be the one who, who bears the brunt of the blame. To a degree, fair. He's the head coach, so I get it. Um, but if we watch this game and, and really digest this game and, and don't question some of the things that the defense did, then what are we even doing? Because like when... Push comes to shove, a defense that did not allow a touchdown for two and a half games, basically, and that's including this half, allowed a touchdown, a touchdown, and a touchdown to close the game. The Vikings were up 17-3. They were rolling. Probably should have been up more if Nick Mullins hadn't thrown those two interceptions in the red zone. The only way you lose that game when you're up 17-3 is if the defense busts, and it did. It did in the fourth quarter. 21 points in the fourth quarter, a couple of just like incredible plays that like, like T Higgins catch over Caleb Evans and stretch the other way. One of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, So there's some things that you have to just kind of chalk up to like tip your hat to the other guys. But what you were saying a few minutes ago is like when they needed to stop, they did not get it. They didn't get it on third and 21. 
in the fourth quarter when you if you force a punt or a field goal there, you probably win. 24 yards to Jamar Chase, bang. Uh, third and nine in overtime, uh, you know, you, you force a punt there. The worst you could probably do is tie unless Nick Mullins throws an interception. Uh, you know, it was like a 35-yard gain to Tyler Boyd on a, on a backside dig um, that I think Byron Murphy said he got his fingertips on and it still ended up going into t- Tyler Boyd's hands. But the defense is a large reason they lost this game. So we can hold on to whatever we want to from the overtime the you know the back-to-back quarterback sneak calls maybe they should have given it to ty chandler maybe they should have been a little more creative in that stretch uh, but I, when when vikings needed a stop today they didn't get it and it's it's hard to kind of just place the blame on that side of the ball because they've been so good for a month and like you said sometimes the levy just breaks but that was the difference today. It was Nick Mullins throwing two interceptions in the first half, and it was the defense melting down down the stretch. Well, and the difference is also that their playmakers made some incredible plays. And, you know, there were even some plays that got taken away from them as well from Cincinnati or that they, like Higgins, early in the game, drops the ball. Uh, but he makes one of the great plays that I've ever seen in person with that catch because when you saw the ball go up, it was like, okay, this he's throwing out of bounds. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think that he was trying to throw it to T. Higgins. I thought he was just trying to throw it away in that spot. And the ball went up so high in the air. I have no idea how T. Higgins even turned around, spotted the ball, went back to the ball, mm-hmm. grabbed it with his hands. I mean, he didn't just bring it in. I mean, he snatched it Randy Moss style with his hands and then reaches out which is funny because Jefferson tried that earlier this year. The ball bounced <laughs> right. out of the back of the end zone. And this time on the Viking side of it, T. Higgins catches it, brings it in for a touchdown. I mean, so that uh, alone is an incredible play that, you know, he gets position on a Caleb Evans. But it, it, this game reminds me so much, including that play, of what happened in Denver, where when we go through the whole picture of things, it's like, I think you outplayed them mm-hmm. overall. But yet on a third and 21, Jamar Chase goes up and makes a great catch and then runs for a first down. And and then, you know, at at the end of the game, it's what is it? Second and long. And they just kind of heave a ball up. And then T Higgins makes an incredible play. It was like everything that they needed came into place with Jake Browning and, and having those wide receivers, including Boyd, come across the middle and make that play at the end, even though overall, the Vikings were moving the ball better, and overall, they were, for a lot of the day, stopping Jake Browning in the Cincinnati offense. The one thing that I have worried about for the defense throughout the season is that somebody would sort of think and dunk them, and I know I was just talking about the bigger plays that they had, but it felt like Cincinnati in the second half came out with a really good game plan to go underneath, 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 underneath. And they were getting 6, 7, 12, 14. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, the Vikings defense seemed to get worn down. And that's what I'm talking about, uh, where week after week, you're asking them, like last week, you're asking them to pitch a shutout in order to win that game. And you're basically saying today, you have to hold them every time and not allow them to come back. And then... You know, I, I mean, eventually you're just going to give up some plays there. They don't have Sauce Gardner. They don't have Jalen Ramsey. They, you know, of course have Daniil Hunter, you know, but they don't have more of a rush than that. So they need to blitz. The other thing I think is, too, when it talks about like what to blame and how we analyze, it's just so much easier to blame a play call on a QB sneak mm-hmm. than it is to go, well, you know, that coverage they played on this play or that play, that defensive play call, it's just so much easier to analyze an offensive play call that goes sideways than it is an entire defensive performance. So all we could say is right now, without looking back at the tape, well, it went wrong and they weren't able to make those stops and Cincinnati did make plays. But if you're going to have a defense that drags you to victory, you're going to have to stop Jake Browning, right? And that's where, and we'll get to this, but like the last couple of games are just to me so much, so much up in the air for what's going to come next. But, uh, you know, I it's it's turnovers. It's a couple of defensive stops that don't happen. It's a QB sneak that doesn't work out. It was like the accumulation of a bunch of small events as opposed to the larger number of events, which the Vikings played better, if that makes sense. So that's why it's like a weird one to break down. Yeah, and and I think that's kind of been the story of the year, like to a degree, in a lot of their losses. Um, Justin Jefferson, we talked to him after the game, 
and he talked about just the self-inflictedness of the losses this year. And this is kind of a microcosm of that. There were certain things that they, they did in this game that really kind of reminded you of the way they would lose early in the season. Um, I, I just can't, I really can't get past those two turnovers in the first half, I guess is because it really feels like you're just kind of rolling and rolling and rolling. And even though you'd only put up seven points in, in the first half, even though you end up putting up 24 in the game, it just felt like those turnovers from Nick Mullins, those interceptions were how you not, like how it goes when you don't put a team away. And this team never really has shown the ability to do that over the last year, year and a half. Um, but when you kind of get yourself behind the eight ball and you feel lucky and fortunate to be up seven, three heading into the half, um, that does put a lot of stress on, on every other area of your game to be perfect. And, and it kind of feels like you're chasing those points that you left on the board. Um, so when you hear Justin Jefferson talk about how things are self-inflicted and how it's kind of felt like that all year, um, this game is kind of another example of that. Um, but I really think if you don't throw those interceptions, you kick two field goals there, you're up what 13 to three at the half, you add another touchdown or two. It is a blowout. I think this game at times today, we were sitting next to each other in the press box saying, this feels like it's going to be a blowout. This feels like it's on the verge of being one. Um, and they just couldn't get that last, you know, swing of offensive lead going down the field and, and putting up points and defensively stopping the Bengals from putting up points. Um, but when, the, when, when the chips were on the table was 17, three, um, the Bengals went touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Um, that helped them force overtime where obviously um, things played out, questionable decisions got made, and here we are. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And that's the hard part of, of the whole thing, because when we're talking about like the way that the offense played and we just go kind of like player by player, mm -hmm. I, you would lead with talking about the really good performances today. Right. I mean, Jordan Addison had one of his better games. Ty Chandler. I mean, this is a breakout moment for mm -hmm. Ty Chandler and Nick Mullins, aside from having those Mullinsy moments. And, and also, let's be honest, the guy threw a pick six. That should have ended the game, but somebody was lined up offside. So the very wild moments of Nick Mullins, aside from that, which are to be expected with your fourth quarterback, they were able to get receivers open. Mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson made plays. TJ Hawkinson made plays. Uh, I thought that early in the game there was some pressure, but I didn't think that the offensive line got run over at all, and especially in the run blocking. They were very good. They converted screens for first downs, something that I thought you could, you just couldn't find. It does, doesn't exist. I guess it was in the middle of Ohio or near Kentucky that we needed to go in order to find the screen game. And so when you go like player by player, you're like, well, you know, they had a, this guy had a good game. This guy had a good game. Then Mullins for what number of his passes ended up finding receivers, getting the ball out there. There's a play where he throws kind of an anticipation throw to Justin Jefferson, Jefferson's got a little bit of a, a double move type thing, and he lets it go with anticipation, and it's right there. Mm -hmm. It's really ridiculously bad decisions in the red zone that did not allow them to run away with that game early. And then they come out, you know, and they drive down the field, and they score a touchdown, but you're still keeping Cincinnati in the game at that point as opposed to feeling like you're completely blowing them away. So when that happens, that's so much harder for me to go, well, the QB sneak is the reason that they lost. It's because they made this one decision, which I think most coaches would have made to run a QB sneak at that point. Uh, you could definitely argue the Chandler should get the ball. You could definitely argue someone else should be pushing a butt cheek or whatever. But I mean, it all just seems kind of silly to me when you you're, if you're going to win anything going forward, you have to get 24 points and then find a way to hold the other team to less. And there's that, that's really the answer to this. Because guess what? Nick Mullins will not stop turning this football over. 
but I also think he's capable of creating pretty big plays with them and moving the ball. And I think it's the right decision to start him, the right decision to stick with him. And he gave you a performance that you would expect from Nick Mullins, but the turnovers were just so incredibly costly. And then on the defensive side, you just couldn't handle some of their star talent. There is a reason why Jake Browning has the numbers that he has so far this season. It's because of those receivers and because of their coach. I mean, aside from a tight end pass, which was really silly to start the game. Uh, but other than that, I don't understand that at all. That was right under the same, like McVay runs bad trick plays. Apparently Zach Taylor does. Kevin O'Connell does. Maybe that's the, the tree part of the tree there. But I didn't think that there was other game management issues with when they did what, when they called what plays, when they called their timeouts. I, I really can't find too much else that I'm supposed to have a problem with as far as the play calling goes, because the play calling produced over 400 yards of offense. And and, and I don't know what play Kevin O'Connell called that said, as you're falling down, hand the ball to BJ Hill, like a child handing it to their father. Like, just here you go, daddy, have the ball. Like, did he call that play? I, I don't think so. Um, so Mullins naturally is going to be, he's going to be wild. He's going to be out of control. But I think that he does the thing that Kevin O'Connell was talking about, which he was able to keep the offense consistently moving. Mm -hmm. I just have so many less complaints about that than not being able to close out a game. And But this also tells you exactly what we were talking about last week when you said after they won 3-0, hey, they could lose the rest of the games here because they're going to put in a quarterback who has all these interceptions and they're going to go to another backup. Mm -hmm. And if they need a shutout every time or they need a last stop every time, that some of those things are going to go sideways. So now guess what? Like, I think you're on the wrong side of the one score games back again. Like the pendulum has swung the luck pendulum back and forth. And now you're on the wrong side of a one score game. And here we are. So for, for me, that's, that's why this is so difficult because after every loss, there's just blood, like whose blood can we, can we go after? Right. And it seems to be that the head coach has become the guy. And I'm not saying that there's no criticisms that are correct, but I just, aside from a QB sneak call, which works 80% of the time, like what's the other complaints about what happened today with the offense? Yeah, I, I that's what I'm struggling with too. I can't find them um, because in in a different reality, if they get, if the QB sneak works, which it does 80% of the time and maybe they gain 10 more yards and Greg Joseph kicks a game winning field goal. I'm curious, like what, what is, what is, what are the comments look like? What do my mentions look like? No one even remembers it. Yeah. I, I if, if he gets a QB sneak for a first down, which I believe he did earlier in the game too, twice. right? Yeah. yeah twice, twice early in the game. Nobody, nobody's talking about it at all. Yeah. And so I, I really think just the reaction is an emotional one, obviously from the fan base. I think, there always has to be someone to blame. Um, and it's just easier to blame a decision that while you're sitting there watching the game saying, Oh, they should have done something different when you can say that after it already played out. I, I really like if, if they pick up the first out at the QB sneak, no one is saying, Oh, they should have handed the ball to Ty Chandler and tried to gain more yards. It's just cause it didn't work. And that's where we're sitting at right now. Viking seven and seven. Um, yes. Were the QB sneaks a part of the story in this game? Yeah, they will. They were, and and they're going to be. And the reason that Brandon Powell is the one doing the pushing uh, can be questioned as, as well. But I, I, it's just everyone kind of has a little bit of blame in this loss, and it, it's not just one guy. And I think there is going to always be moving forward. If they lose to Detroit on Christmas Eve, if they lose to Green Bay on New Year's Eve, if they lose to Detroit in the season finale, the snowball is going to kind of start to keep rolling for, for Kevin O'Connell. And I, I really think that's a little bit like, you know, overreactive, disingenuous. Like he's not a bad coach. Really? Like, are, are we, are we, are we at that point where we think he's a bad coach? Um, he's playing on his fourth quarterback of the year. I'm not making excuses for him. They put up 400 yards with their fourth quarterback this year. Maybe he was the backup to start the year, but he is the fourth quarterback they have used. The scheme worked well today. Two interceptions and a defensive collapse is the difference. This one's not on Kevin O'Connell. You you can argue the other ones were. This one isn't. And I think if we want to make the argument that it was on Kevin O'Connell after certain losses, then we have to be careful when we do it. Because if we just do it after every single one, 
then then what what is it what, what credence does that hold moving forward? So I, I think it's important to zoom out. I think this is just a really an emotional reaction after a loss and give them 24, 48 hours. Maybe the, t- the, the tune will change. Um, but they are seven and seven heading into three games that they're probably going to be underdogs in. Um, if you steal two of them, you can still make the playoffs. Um, but if you do, I don't think you really have any hopes of, of doing anything once you get there. So, you know, it, it just feels to me like so many losses this year have played out exactly this way. And Justin Jefferson said that to us after the game. He said, like, a lot of times this year, we've had that opportunity to be right there. And now when we look at the Chargers in the light of day, you really go, oh, man, like that's one where you should have won. I mean, you've got the ball in your hands at the goal line and you can't end up getting it across. And then Denver, where you've got the ball in your hands, you just need a first down and Alexander Madison fumbles it away. And then here you just need one more field goal. You just need one more stop. You just need one more inch. And when we're talking about Nick Mullins, I mean, this is a guy who's done plenty of QB sneaks that have been successful throughout his career. And it's also a defensive line for the Bengals that didn't have their best player. Mm-hmm. I mean, DJ Reader is out of that game. So, of course, like that makes sense to me to attack him. Now, again, like, yeah, maybe you could say don't go back to it or whatever else. How often do two quarterback sneaks in a row fail? Not very often. Uh, they usually succeed. That's the thing. And that's the problem. So it's got to be it has to be more of a broad scrutiny of a game like this and i think last week it was more reasonable to say hey if josh jobs is going to be your quarterback but then it would seem like o'connell decided okay well i can't game plan around josh dobbs so let me go to nick mullins and we can operate our offense and they did and it was much more successful today than it was over the last couple of weeks with josh dobbs Justin Jefferson was plenty involved. Jordan Addison, the playmakers are getting the ball. Ty Chandler is getting the ball. And what what else are you supposed to say? And I have repeated this every week. Every time they lose, I will continue to repeat it, that if you try to overly judge your quarterback or your, your coach when you have your fourth quarterback or any backup quarterback, then... I I think that you're going to head down some bad paths with that or some illogical paths with that. So I I think you can absolutely be unhappy with the way that this played out because this felt like the final frontier in a way. Like they could still make playoffs. They sure can. Uh, But it just feels a lot less likely now because you're going to have to win two out of the last three to get in. And can you beat Detroit? and Green Bay in two out of these last three games when you couldn't close out Jake Browning. So then you're going to have to close out a better Packers offense, a better Detroit offense who have healthy quarterbacks. And also now we see that there is more cracks in the foundation of a defense that was clearly overachieving. And it reminds me a little bit of the way the offense was overachieving without Jefferson. And since we just live in small sample size worlds, when that worked, it was well, we've got to trade three firsts for Jefferson because everybody else is fine and they can make up for him. But eventually that wasn't the case. And the same with the defense where it's, well, this is fine. This is great. Uh, You know, they can, you know, just continue to rest on this defense and they're going to be the 2000 Ravens and they're going to shut out everybody and close out every game and so forth. Uh, But there is a talent differential uh, in part, you know, between the receivers and the corners that they're going to continue to have to uh, improve on as we go forward, you know, in the draft and free agency and everything else, you could just see where that does pop up in a game like this. And that kind of leads us into down the stretch. So I, I just said, it's going to be hard to win two out of three. And yet at the same time, you're three points away here against the team that has put up a lot of points with Jake Browning. It feels to me like, we're all just blowing in the wind with this team. Yeah. Like at this point, we're all just along for the ride that there's, I, I can take away from this game that they move the ball really well. And if they don't have the dumbest interception in the world, that maybe they win. Uh, I can take away from it that the defense is more vulnerable than we thought. I, you know, you could, Hey, don't QB sneak next time. I get like, what, the, what am I supposed to say that they're supposed to do at this point? We know everything about them. Now there is nothing more to find out. You either just, finish it off and get to the playoffs or you don't uh, that right. I mean, that's that. Yeah. And, and, and almost nothing is going to change even in the last three games about how I feel about anything. I'm going to feel that Flores did an amazing job this year. 
I'm going to feel like they blew some games that they really should have won at the end that last year they probably do win at the end. And this year it's gone back the other direction against them. And I'm not going to be coming on here if they miss the playoffs and lose two out of three and say, what a horrible coaching performance. They should fire Kevin O'Connell. That's just not going to happen because of the circumstances that uh, they've gone through. So what else are we supposed to say after we have witnessed this? Yeah. But when you look, when you push forward now, like, like you said, we know everything about this team, right? So there is a world in which they win two of three, knowing what we do know about this team. If, if they can move the ball and the Bengals defense is kind of middle of the pack. So take what you will, but 400 yards of offense, if they can continue to move the ball efficiently and snap back to reality and, and, and hopefully not give up back to back to back touchdowns, to close the game on defense. If they can play that complimentary football, uh, two of the three games are at home. I think you can win, but what, what does it really mean? Um, because I think the end goal is always, you know, the Super Bowl and, and this team it, it clearly can't get there this year. But if your goal is the playoffs and if that's what you're latching on to, I don't think it's far fetched. I think you're, you're fair to you're fair to hope for that. And it, it's not the craziest thing in the world. They, it could play out that way. They could absolutely win two of these final three games. They could also lose all three games. And the fact of the matter is watching this team play over the last two years, the games are probably going to be close. So they're probably going to be close against the Lions on Christmas Eve and the Packers on New Year's Eve. And then who knows how the, the final game of the season, if it'll matter, what, what it'll look like. Um, but I think the games are going to be close. I, I, I think this team, as currently constructed, with the injuries they've suffered, with the certain talent that they do lack on you know, both sides of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball more than, more than that, um, I think the team is still capable of winning two games um, if, if we see them at the peak of their powers on both sides of the ball. But I, I just struggle to kind of realize and understand like what that actually means if they get to the playoffs. Like I guess that's a feather in your cap if you get there in, in a year that you lost your starting quarterback and you pushed through two months without Justin Jefferson and you got just a – really a defensive remake on the fly from Brian Flores. And, and if all of that adds up to nine and eight and you make the playoffs and you have a puncher's chance in the wild card round and, and maybe you win, maybe, you, maybe you lose. Um, I, I guess that's enough. Um, but it just, it's, it's hard to kind of think about every game post game and every game moving forward. Um, when it just kind of feels like the season ended when Kirk went down. So yeah, I mean, we, we'll see what this, the rest of this thing looks like. Um, but for today, uh, I, I mean, it's just kind of a, the, the way the season has played out as a whole. Well, and that's what I was thinking about throughout the game as they're leading. And as I'm thinking that they're going to win, even when they get a three and out stop and they get the ball in overtime. And I am thinking like, okay, well they've got good field position and here we go. Like they're going to score here. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like what we're going to be saying after the game, because I'm always kind of, you know, like mm -hmm. what are our what are our main topics going to be? How are we going to analyze this? And of course, I didn't realize they were going to fail on a QB sneak. So I was thinking of a little bigger picture mm -hmm. stuff about how like when you look at this offense, how few times we've seen Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison together all mm -hmm. season long, especially the version of Jordan Addison, who's awesome, not the one who's just like figuring out football. And then with Ty Chandler as well. Now, maybe there's a, hey, uh, where's this been? Like, maybe you could have used a, a heck of a lot of that earlier this year yeah. in Ty Chandler because what a fantastic performance by him. And yes, I actually do think they should have turned around and handed him the ball, by the way. Like, for the record, I'm just saying that it's an 80% play across the league when you QB sneak. But with Ty Chandler, I would have preferred that on third and fourth down, the guy who's run for 100 yards, the guy who's been dynamic for you and is like tough for a guy who's so fast. I like him a lot. And I'm looking at this group of weapons thinking, yeah, it's pretty good to drop a quarterback into. And hey, by the way, how many yards did Nick Mullins throw for? Like we've swung back and forth on, will they bring back Kirk and everything else? This was an argument for not bringing back Kirk because this quarterback, Nick Mullins, who is a career backup with five wins in 18 games, just threw the ball 
to a lot of open wide receivers throughout this day. And could other people come in with this offense and this group of weapons and doing that? And that's, that's what I'm taught or like, that's what I'm talking to myself about. Like, all right, we're going to talk about the full group of weapons and how good it looked. And you get back O'Neal and then you feel a little better about the pass protection and, and all those things. And by the way, we see today, the offensive line can run block. They need a running back. Who's fast as hell to fly through it. They can throw a screen. Mm -hmm. They just need a running back. Who's fast as hell to, to run right to get to those edges and so forth. So, you know, so I'm looking at that. And then when they fail, I go, Oh no, because I know that's what the entire day is going to be about Mm -hmm. is about the play calling at the end when it didn't go right. And not about, the the sort of totality of this and what it looks like because I was also feeling like well Jordan Love showed some cracks in the foundation and uh, the Detroit Lions have not been great obviously we're recording this uh, slash going live before the Lions play so I don't know what's going to happen there but they have looked a lot weaker and so like my entire mindset was all these things that I had felt that they did well except for the turnovers And then the defense has these moments from Jake Browning and these receivers that just end up costing them the game. And I don't know how, how else you can look at it. And, and when we compare it to the Denver game, it's the same way where it's like they were over 400 yards. They moved the ball. They were running effectively. They were passing mostly effectively. And then a fumble and a guy mossing somebody ends up being the reason that you lose. And that's why football is so hard to figure out sometimes. And, and so here's a, a different way to phrase the, the uh, I guess, reaction to this game. Like, this is one of those where you go, oh, man, just like your just like yours, where it was like, if there was one more, hey, let's try this other quarterback and then he could take us where we want to go and then he can make us dangerous. I thought he made them way more dangerous than Dobbs did over the last couple of games. But I could I could feel the gut punch from people of this was the one that I that I that you wanted to win on the road at Cincinnati, then your driver's seat for the playoffs, and you feel like you're in a really good spot to at least scare some people with Nick Mullins as your quarterback. When you walk out of it with a loss, you're 500. You're kind of exactly where we thought you would be when we started this competitive rebuild thing and not really any better. So I mean, how are you supposed to feel about that? Like I I feel like there's wind out of the sails like it was kept alive by a 3-0 win and then it just sort of is slipping away here with one jake browning pass to tyler boyd yeah i i I think that's probably a correct way to encapsulate how the entire fan base is probably feeling um one of my best friends is a huge vikings fan and was texting me during the game and just texted me after and said that one really hurt and it 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 did It, it really hurt for for you know, people watching, seeing it unfold, thinking they were going to win. Um, it hurt on a micro level there, but it, it it did hurt on a macro level when when you talk about, you know, what the rest of this year looks like. The, the, the Like you said, we're kind of way, uh, flag waving in the wind with this team. We'll go wherever, you know, the, the wind blows and takes us. Um, but if they won this game, you then you're, you're moving forward at eight and six, win one of the final three games, and you're basically in the playoffs with the way the NFC's played out. Um, and I think there was kind of an, an element of hope that people were latching on to. Uh, this season wasn't everything we hoped for, but if we're eight and six moving into the final month of the year and we win one game, we get to the playoffs, that's enough. Um, and then you're kind of left with just frustration when when a game that you really feel like you should have won slips away and then you're kind of standing there after McPherson makes the 29-yarder being like, what the heck happened? Um, so yeah, I, I get, you know, in a roundabout way, and it took me 45 minutes to get here, I guess I get the emotional toil that everyone is kind of going through. I get blaming whoever you want to blame. Um, because even though if I think whether I think you're right or wrong and who you're blaming, I understand needing to kind of just throw it out and, and, blame this on someone because it should have been a game that you won and you're eight and six heading into Christmas Eve with your family, watching that game saying, okay, just win one more. And the Vikes are going to the playoffs. So I I get it all. I understand. And there's also this part that's if they make the playoffs, despite all they've gone through this year with the quarterbacks, with Jefferson being out, then wow. Like that is a victory considering how hard it is when you lose your quarterback for more than 
one or two games, and there's been the examples in the playoffs, but Carson Wentz got the Philadelphia Eagles home field advantage in the playoffs before Nick Foles showed up and uh, did what he did in, in the postseason. There's very, very few examples. Kurt Warner, Tom Brady, uh, all-time great quarterbacks who were on the bench that showed up, but we know that Nick Mullins is not that. Right. So looking at it, and we talked earlier in the week about what's a success for this team and making the playoffs despite all you went through would have been one of the things that is a success. And winning this game would have put them so much in the driver's seat. I, th I saw a chart of this where it was like, if they win this game, like 80%, mm -hmm. and if they lose this game, it's hovering around a coin flip to still make the playoffs. Sure. And for all intents and purposes, I think for a lot of people, your chances may have ended that here. It didn't technically, and you could definitely win, but it just, it, it got a lot harder than it would have been. It would have been just win one more driver's seat. All you got to do is pull off one out of two against Detroit or beat a Packers team that, you know, is pretty mid and then you get in the playoffs and that's a huge success. And so losing, I think is such a gut punch to that idea of, well, you know, I, I guess, I guess they're just not going to get there because even when they play a good version of themselves offensively, a really good version for a lot of the game, they still find a way to come up short. But I, I also think like, it's just, it's so hard because, you know, it's so results-based and it should be because that's all that matters. Like it doesn't matter. Like when they talk about process versus results, I always say verse is not over because mm -hmm. it's the results that matter. It's the result of the failed play. And so I think that when people are talking about the failed QB sneak, you say, why is Brandon Powell pushing him? I agree. Why isn't Ty Chandler getting the ball? I agree. I don't think we have to make it anything more than it was. Mm -hmm. Like we want to, because that's what we do. But I, I don't think that, we have to make it anything more than it was. This was a game that you should have won. And that I like that. And that's it. And that's, it's going to get to the end of the season. If they miss the playoffs and go, how the hell did they miss the playoffs? They botched a lot of these games and maybe, you know, a lot of people will be concerned about Kevin O'Connell at the end of games and so forth, which is weird because nobody was concerned last year when they won every single one score game. Uh, but this year things haven't gone in that same way. So, um, you know, Jamie asks, why is it the defense holding up? I think the defense didn't hold up today because the other team has really good players mm -hmm. and they were on the field a lot when you turn the ball over and they're probably a really good defense, but not a great, great, great defense, which is how they looked last week. Or it's a week to week league. And sometimes, I mean, it's a quarter to quarter league. And sometimes, you know, the Cincinnati might deserve credit for making some great plays, too. Yeah, I really think why isn't the defense holding up when you t when you look at there's one play that can totally, you know, encapsulate why it's because T Higgins versus a Caleb Evans and T Higgins rising up and making a play and hauling in this touchdown that is going to be played over and over and over again the rest of this week and probably moving forward um, because of how special a play it was. That does a good job showing the talent deficiency that's there. That's that's nothing against a Caleb Evans. I think he's had a pretty good year. I think he's come into his own as a, an outside cornerback. Um, but there's levels to this, right? And I think the Bengals have playmakers that over the past few weeks, the Vikings haven't had to face. And as good as the Vikings were for two and a half quarters, uh, eventually those playmakers are going to make plays. Um, the defense, for as good as it's been, for as much of a turnaround as they've been able to kind of put forth. Um, I think we have to remember uh, just because they've been good doesn't mean, you know, what they were working with. I think it was always going to be a bit of an uphill battle. Um, they've overachieved. And I think it's important to kind of realize that and take a step back and realize the last month or month and a half, two months of the defense, they were overachieving. Um, there are still areas of this defense that need an infusion of talent. Um, I think they have developed some stars along the way. Um, I think Brian Flores deserves a lot of credit for, for what he's done, and, and obviously he gets it. Um, but there are still certain things that when you just look at that one play of T. Higgins rising up and, and taking it over Caleb Evans, that shows like, okay, they have a little bit of ways to go as far as talent goes.
Yeah, no, I think that that's been the big thing of what has made this season so special for Brian Flores, which is mm-hmm. that he has gotten more out of the talent than we ever really expected. But that goes along with some of those moments. And the same thing with Cortland Sutton going up and catching a pass. And so often when you play these close games because you turn the ball over in the red zone and that, you know, they had a three and out where they would have had a chance to respond after a touchdown drive by Jake Browning. But this this was a like right on the edge and continuing to run into kind of a, a glass wall every time they were just about to put this game away. And then if you continue to do that, then you're not going to put it away and you're and you're going to leave a receiver to make a great play against you and, and have a chance to win. So that's not it's not to watch this one game and be down on Brian Flores or the right. defense as a whole it deserves all sorts of credit. It's that almost no defense in the NFL is invulnerable. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the point, right? Is at some point they weren't just going to shut everyone out. <laughs> and like that, hap- you know, it kind of looked like it was going to go that way today and, until the second half. But I thought we saw a really good adjustment and something that we're probably going to see in the coming weeks, which is if you dink and dunk, which the Chargers did earlier this year, that you could probably have success. So let's talk about the bigger picture. They get closer to a top draft pick. I'm just kidding sort of a little bit not really but kind of they did get closer technically to a a higher draft pick but would you bet that they do or do not make the playoffs now i don't think they make the playoffs now um and we don't have to go into how that's a good thing for a quarterback of the future even if well you think i would talk about that (laughs) even though it, it definitely is um but i i this game felt like a gut punch to the fan base and and it didn't necessarily feel like a gut punch to the team afterwards in the locker room. They didn't seem like a broken bunch. They seemed frustrated. Um, but I think it could end up being that in hindsight. When, when you look at, oh, we could have been eight and six and now we're seven and seven. And now we have to win two of three games against pretty tough teams. Um, so I, I just think it's too much to ask. I think Detroit has a lot to play for over the next three weeks as well. Um, again, this is being post recorded live and recorded before Detroit plays tonight. So we have no idea how that's going to play out, but if they win tonight, they're going to be playing for seeding. If they lose tonight, they're going to be playing for trying to get their stuff together before what they hope is a playoff run. So you play Detroit twice. I think they're better than you top to bottom, at least talent wise with the injuries you've suffered this year. Um, I, I do think the game on Christmas or New Year's Eve between the Vikings and Packers, like, is going to be pretty much a coin flip, a fun one in prime time. But I think when you break down everything that has to kind of happen, I know it's at its core, just two wins, um, but how you get to those two wins, uh, I think it's going to be a little too much for this team. It might be. I I would put it at a coin flip. Exactly. I really Mm -hmm. don't know what's going to happen from a week to week basis, because I would not have guessed that they would put up as many yards as they did today. Mm -hmm. I would have guessed that they might turn the ball over. Uh, maybe Kevin O'Connell can trust the running game a little bit more uh, because he seemed to stick with the run in a lot of instances today. That was something that he was struggling with before. And maybe Alexander Madison and not trusting him to get yards was a major reason for that. So, and, and I think the same thing goes for the screen game and just not like thinking that Alexander Madison could break off big plays where Ty Chandler can and adding Jefferson and Chandler to your offense makes you pretty dangerous going forward. And that part, I, I think, yet, yeah, could you beat a Detroit defense that's terrible because you have Justin Jefferson playing well and Jordan Addison uh, doing what he did today? But I also think that if you're going to throw the ball into wild positions or, you know, trying to get rid of the ball, but hand it right to the other team, the, the also the velocity on the football is the slowest I've ever seen in person. Like today was the, between the two quarterbacks, the slowest moving pro footballs I have ever seen. So that's another problem that, you know, throws could get picked off because they just don't have a lot of velocity behind them. All, all those things could go either way to me where your offense is more explosive because you have these other playmakers or because you just simply turn the ball over too often. You could see the defense rising to the challenge and intercepting Jordan Love, Uh, And Jared Goff, you could also see them not being able to pressure Jared Goff. And he sits back there and and look, they didn't pressure Browning a ton in that second half. He was able to get rid of the ball 
because they don't have another player outside of Daniil Hunter who's able to do that by just you know straight rushing. They always have to blitz. Um, I'm running out of voice, obviously, if if anybody can't tell. So I'm I'm gonna I'm just grinding through this final point, uh, just to say that whether they make it or, or miss it, it's been a pretty it's been a pretty wild season for these games where it's like every single one comes down to this final moment, and then we dictate how we feel about the entire team by whether they caught the ball against the Chargers, whether they made a stop against Jake Browning on third down in overtime, whether they tush pushed correctly. And and all of you saying that Brandon Powell shouldn't be pushing any tushies. I, I totally agree. Like, so let's not, let's not make a mistake. I uh, get a fat guy to do that. Get somebody stronger to do that. So I do agree. That doesn't make any sense. But uh, anyway, I, I just think that like, we're going to ride a wave here toward the end. They may not make the playoffs. They might 50, 50 to me. And if they don't, I'm not going to say, wow, this team completely blew it. I'll probably look at this year like Detroit last year. Like they were in transition. They were not great. They were not terrible. But the foundation was built to have a really good season next year. That's not really anything that is going to make anyone happy right now after this loss. No. And and I think we're seeing that. People are, are, are very frustrated. But this year as a whole if everything played out the way it has and Kirk Cousins was your quarterback the whole time, I think it'd be fair to be frustrated. Right. But I think when he goes down and you continue to win a couple of games, then you lose a few games. I think that kind of gives you like permission to kind of just say, whatever happens is good. And we'll try again next year. Me and you, we probably think they should try again without a quarterback named Kirk Cousins. Some people think they should try uh, with a quarterback named Kirk Cousins. But this whole season, the fluctuations, the ups and downs, um, I, I think we're along for this ride because they're not playing with their starting quarterback anymore. And I think from that moment forward, when he went down, whether it was Nick Mullins, whether it was Jaron Hall, whether it was Josh Dobbs, everything that they did, if, if they somehow made the playoffs was going to feel like that was a successful year um so now that that's in flux and we don't know um it, it's going to be hard to kind of coin whether this was a successful or unsuccessful year until the dust settles in week 18 um but i, I really think it's been entertaining at least at the very least um so when we look back on this year we're going to remember it for for certain plays and moments and you know, games and how they came down to the wire and this guy came in to the team and did this and then fell by the wayside and someone else stepped up and did this. And um, so I, it's going to be a memorable season for sure. When, when we look back on it all, we don't need to talk about it like it's over because there are three weeks left in the year. Um, but there was kind of a feeling that mm, like how, when Kirk cousins went down in green Bay, it felt like maybe the season ended this loss in Cincinnati kind of feels that same way. Well, it does just because if you get this win, then all you need is one out of three and your chances to make the playoffs mm -hmm. are like 98% or something. So you're virtually in if you just get this one. And that's where there's the, I, I think the wind out of the sails comes from like, okay, now you have to play great. Now you have to play really well against good teams in order to do it. And you haven't been playing really well against bad teams. Mm -hmm. Didn't play really well against Chicago. Den Denver is, eh. But they're probably on the same levels of Green Bay, like very eh. But you didn't play well against Chicago, the Raiders, and this team is not a bad team at all. This team, their coach has gone to the Super Bowl, but a backup quarterback nonetheless. You feel like you should be able to win it with your defense. So now uh, here you sit with uh, desperation at the end of the year. I imagine Nick Mullins will be the quarterback. He should. Uh, if they get eliminated, then yeah, play Jaron Hall for a week or two or whatever. I, I don't think they could be eliminated next week. So we're really only talking about one game for Jaron Hall, but no need to make a change now. Let the playmakers have their best shot at it mm -hmm. and see what can happen. So uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. I truly have run completely out of voice, but I appreciate everybody being patient with uh, it sounding like I may have eaten gravel here. Um, but I'm good. I'm all right. And uh, hopefully you guys will be too. And you can just watch football the rest of the day. But this is, this is one that's pretty tough for people. I think uh, because you had it, you're up by two scores and they gave it away. So I, I just want to reiterate that, that if you're unhappy and upset, 
with how they gave it away. Like, we don't disagree with you. I think it just, it's always like this bigger picture stuff where I kind of recoil a little bit. Like, well, I don't, I don't know if we, we want to start calling for coaches jobs because you lost by three points against a team that's good at the end. So anyway, thanks everybody again for watching and uh, we will continue the coverage throughout the week and we'll catch y'all next time.